This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is Senior Program Manager at Microsoft, Jeff Fritz. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Ed. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm glad to have you. There was some big news uh, coming out of Microsoft today at the Microsoft Connect event in New York City. So I was looking forward to having you on to talk about some of the big news that came out today. Uh, sure, no problem. Before we get started with that, uh, why don't you give us a little uh, information about what you've been doing at Microsoft? Sure. So um, I'm a senior program manager on the um, .NET community relations team. Uh, it's my job to make sure that those developers in our ecosystem are, are having a good experience using our tools, uh, using our frameworks and languages, and uh, help funnel some of that feedback back to the team. Um, I'm also responsible for a couple of MSDN blogs, notably the Web Development blog and the Alpha Geek blog. And I also manage a couple of the um, ASP.NET project systems that are in maintenance mode, um, notably win, uh, web forms and WCEF. Excellent. And uh, we actually had a chance to connect at the uh, Microsoft MVP Summit. And uh, we, we had some early information about some of the news that came out today. And we were under NDA. So I've been looking forward to talking about uh, some of the stuff that was announced today. And I haven't quite been able to yet because of that NDA. So I'm excited to have you on the show here so we can kind of review some of the big things that came out, some of the big announcements at Connect. Yeah, there, there were a couple things that, that we, couldn't, we couldn't share with the MVPs last week. But uh, you got a, a taste of what we were uh, announcing today. Good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, one of the biggest things was uh, announcements revolving around Visual Studio, uh, which is now called Visual Studio 2017 RC. Yeah, uh, right. This was Visual Studio 15, um, which, of course, was confusing, right? Uh, Visual Studio 15, based on the version number that we assign internally to Visual Studio, but confusing to have a version 15 when there's a Visual Studio 2015 available. Um, so we finally got to put a branding uh, to that version of Visual Studio, and now it's Visual Studio 2017. Um, and that kind of gives you a clue as to when we're going to release it. So um, it's a release candidate. All the features are in the box that we expect to get in the box. Um, there's going to be some tuning here over the next over the next few months, and uh, we're excited to push this puppy out the door. Yeah, I was excited to see that it's actually named 2017. Like you said, it kind of gives away uh, that it's going to be coming in the near future rather than later. Uh, so what are some of the uh, key features that we're going to be looking forward to seeing? So, um, of course, right off the bat, there's a, a big double down on productivity, right? We're, you're going to see a lot of new features in, in C Sharp with C Sharp 7 that are going to allow you to do some great new things. We've been talking about C Sharp 7 for a while now as we were working with the preview versions of this. But now it's it's solidifying. We're really there and uh, committed to making these updates real. Um, we also announced, and we gave a hint of it last week, we, we announced some other productivity things like being able to do live unit testing. 
right? Where you're going to have your unit tests executing against your code as you're coding um, your application. So that's really cool to be able to see that, you know, you've broken a test or you've made a test pass as you write code and, and save those changes in Visual Studio. Uh, not to mention there's a couple of other new things that are in there to improve code analytics, to improve uh, the way you navigate around Visual Studio, um, and, and not to mention the installation experience, right? I mean, Visual Studio installs in minutes instead of hours now, and that's a huge thing when you go to install a new version or you want to bring down new features in Visual Studio. We've moved everything into extensions, or we call them workloads, that you install. So when you go through that installation experience, you choose a workload. Hey, I'm a web developer, so give me the web components. Or I'm a Windows developer, give me the things I need to build Windows applications. And I'd like to be able to deploy to Azure, so I'd like to have the Azure components available for me. Or maybe I want to work with containers, and you can add in containers. It's a lot easier to navigate around, really simplifies that installation experience, and slims down exactly what you need to do and the weight you need to go through to get everything installed. So we're pretty happy about that. And not to mention, we've also got now some Xamarin test improvements that are included in the box with Visual Studio. So that's really cool to see. The, um, the ability to work with and test our applications on mobile devices much, much easier. So. I mean, there, there's a lot that you can see, and there's blog posts out there that will really go into depth on all of these features. Um, I, I'm just excited about, really, the, the live testing is the one that really gets me and I'm excited about. Yeah, well, there's some really good demos uh, today being shown at, at Connect, and um, the live testing is really cool. Um, some of the uh, refactoring and debugging experiences are, are really getting some attention, um, but like you said, the, the installation part of it is really a big deal. Um, in my opinion, a lot of folks were, were unhappy with the current experience. It's um, a very big download, and, and it can take quite a while to install. So it, it looks sure. like your guys are definitely listening to feedback and implementing changes to, to make it better for everyone. Oh, and, and you know what? Some of the folks on the inside here, we were some of the loudest voices about that. Because when you have to install a new version of Visual Studio because you're getting the nightly installs and you're doing that every day and you're needing to wait for how long for it to finish installing, it, it, it was a nightmare. So we're in a good place now where we can get this thing installed much, much faster. Um, we can look at our nightlies much, much easier and consequently deliver a better product in the end. It's a win-win. And, and along with Visual Studio 2017, uh, which is for Windows, we also saw a Visual Studio Mac preview. Yeah, so Visual Studio for Mac. Um, this was great. This was something that I, I was really happy to see because the, the Xamarin, um, Xamarin Studio product, while it, it did great things and allowed you to build applications for, for mobile devices while you were on a Mac, um, we wanted to be able to get .NET Core over there and give give that same Visual Studio experience with .NET Core on a Mac to to Macintosh developers. Um, I mean, this is this is a, a a really neat thing that we were able to do to get that .NET Core ASP.NET Core 
experience in the box with the rest of those mobile platforms. So now you can use the same project files. You can use the same source files, whether you're on Visual Studio for Mac or Visual Studio 2017, or even if you want to share those files over to someone who's using Visual Studio Code, they can still browse and edit their ASP.NET Core or .NET Core projects in the exact same way. Um, but by having that Visual Studio brand, that Visual Studio for Mac experience, um, we think you're going to have the debugger, the profiler, all the features that you need as we build out that tool to really make it a, a world-class developer experience that we've come to know from the, the Visual Studio product on Windows. Yeah, the Visual Studio code is a great editor in itself. And, um, you know, it's it's more lightweight, obviously, than Visual Studio is, not, not quite as featureful. So it's nice to see something more like Visual Studio that we know on Windows coming to Mac. It's definitely exciting times for developers on all platforms to have that kind of uh, tooling uh, coming their way. Sure. I mean, you have a, a simple debugger in Visual Studio Code, and you have great extensions that are built and available in there, and typically cross-platform you can use whether you're on Windows, Mac, or Linux. But when you really need to do some, some in-depth debugging, when you need to do something more than just write code and you want that full integrated development environment experience, that's where we think Visual Studio is going to be successful. Yeah, and talking about uh, more of that integrated development experience, um, and this isn't uh, so much in the Visual Studio for Mac preview that, that I know of right now. This is more back on the lines of Visual Studio 2017 RC. Uh, we're seeing a lot of um, Docker uh, tooling coming up in there. Yeah, absolutely. We we are strong believers in the, in the Docker tool set. We think um, containers are a terrific utility for developers and operations folks alike. I mean, the fact that I can build my application, configure exactly how it should run inside of a server, on a server, but instead stick it in a container. And now, now that that it runs on my machine. Uh, complaint that you hear from developers it can just go away because you know what? It either works in the or it doesn't and you're going to lift that entire container and send it to your QA folks, to folks who need a demonstration environment or to your production environment and you've got the exact same thing running everywhere. The fact that you can get that installed and running in seconds and start up and scale containers up and down, it, it's such a win and then now we've added tooling in Azure, so well, services in Azure, so that you can deploy into the app service and get that container running, scaled as high or as low as you want with your own private container registry so that you don't have to share your container images with the rest of the world. You've got that private registry where your production images, your images that you want to have running on Azure can live so that you can install, well, you can cast those images to containers and have them running very, very quickly in the cloud at the scale you need. Um, it, it's a tremendous leap for our cloud services, for how much we, we really enjoy using containers. And it's only going to get better as we start really um, making the Windows container experience happen. I mean, Windows containers are going to be a very, very good thing when you do have 
perhaps some older um, web applications that are running and you want to make sure that they continue running, well, you know what? Let's let's take some steps to take that old classic ASP or ASP.NET 2.0 application. Let's put it into a container and then you can take advantage of Windows a Windows container that scales up and down on the cloud when those features are already and out there and available for everyone to use. So you're going to have two sets of options here. If you want to go thin and cross-platform with a Linux container with a .NET Core application installed in there, that's great. But you're also going to be able to lift those, uh, those Windows-based applications, server applications, put them into a container, and deploy those as needed. And then when you th start thinking about microservices, oh my gosh, it's great to be able to put your microservice in a container. And now you can debug across those container instances from Visual Studio 2017 without losing a beat. I mean, there was a great demo that they showed today where there was a series of three or four microservices running with a web server that was a, a web application that was calling in, into each one of those microservices directly as an HTTP endpoint. but all of those projects were each hosted in separate containers and and you saw the demonstration was hitting breakpoints inside each container and coming back to visual studio to allow you to instrument and see exactly what's going on inside of your distributed application i mean that's power that you're not going to see anywhere else when you need to maintain a very complex set of applications you know, Windows as a development platform is really getting some steam with tooling like this, and it's it's really uh, allowing or enabling developers to do pretty amazing stuff like the demo that you mentioned. Um, it's just stuff that we we couldn't even uh, think of doing before, and uh, it's it's nice to see the amount of flexibility that we have now, and it allows for a lot more creativity than we've ever seen before. So it'll be really interesting to see what kind of apps get spun up out of the new tooling that's coming out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of new tooling that's coming out, um, there was also an announcement for SQL Server on Linux, which is uh, something that people never thought would happen. Uh, so this this really shows the the new Microsoft, I mean... Uh, probably well, not even five years ago, if you said SQL Server on Linux, people would have <laughs> told you maybe maybe when hell froze over, this would happen. But uh, we saw it today. Yeah, we did. So um, to be clear, we announced a public preview for SQL Server vNext on Linux and Windows. Um, that means you can get you can get a hold of a download if you want to run it natively on your Linux box. We also have a, a Docker image that you can download and you can run. SQL Server, in, get it up and running in seconds inside of a Docker container running on your development environment. I mean, that is really, really cool. But uh, to go back to, to your point of, you would have never thought you'd seen this before. I think of this almost like a homecoming for SQL Server, right? Because SQL Server was born out of that partnership with Sybase way back in the 80s. I mean, okay, I'm showing my age here a little bit. <laughs> But I'm used to seeing Sybase databases, Sybase SQL Server running on Unix machines. And now, right, and then Microsoft had this partnership with Sybase, and Microsoft, you know, took the this, this SQL Server for Windows. And that was, that was great, and eventually the, the partnership fell apart. 
SQL Server continued under Microsoft's uh, charter here. It, Sybase continues to build their product, but Microsoft SQL Server comes back to Unix, to Linux, you know, two decades later. Oh, I, I would have never imagined this after I saw that breakup back in the 90s. And, and it's back. I mean, this is great. I'm really happy to see it. Um, I know I've got some Unix-based friends who who loved using the Sybase database back in the day, and they're um, they're thrilled to see SQL Server and all the power that SQL Server has now, and all the great features that that have been added to SQL Server available for Linux developers and administrators. So, and being able to run it in a container, oh my gosh, it's it's like I've uh, died and gone to heaven. I mean. My, uh, I can, I've done demos where I'm showing how to connect an ASP.NET Core application to a database that I spin up inside of Docker. And I've been using Postgres or MySQL to get that little database running inside of a Docker container. But now, now I, can, I can be on my Mac and I can use the exact same tools that I would use on a Windows machine. I can start up and build entity framework relations and connect to a SQL Server database running in a container on my Mac. That's really cool. That's very cool. And like you said, it's fast to spin up, which again, you know, going back to the installation of Visual Studio, installation of SQL Server used to be one of those things that, you know, it's like uh, start it before lunch. We'll come back later and see how it's going. Oh, and, and the steps you had to go through to configure this, that, and the other thing. But within an, in a Docker container and being able to configure and launch it so so quickly, it, it's it, it's so great. It is because you know developers we want to do what develop right. We we don't want to install SQL Server and Visual Studio and tools all day long. We we want to write code. Absolutely, we want to write code, get the job done, so that at five o'clock we can we can either go home to our families or go out with our buddies. Hey, absolutely, this helps. Uh, speaking of writing code, we have AS or sorry .NET Core 1.1 1 .1, uh, released. Yeah, so so we released .NET Core 1.1, 1 .1, and we're also releasing ASP.NET Core 1.1. .1. So there's a, a bunch of performance improvements in there. Um, in ASP.NET Core, we've got a, a number of new features that are really centered around um, improving your experience in in sharing features back and forth between various facets of the MVC framework. Um, things like being able to make your middleware available to use as um, MVC action filters. That's kind of cool. So I can, I can apply that middleware just to specific controllers or to specific actions. Okay, that's neat. But I can also do things like view components can be called as a tag helper. All right. So now my view components that I used to call with that very um, almost annoying uh, C-sharp code embedded inside of my Razor syntax, while, while nice, you know, I, uh, to be able to do that, having it as a tag helper keeps me in HTML mode. I don't have to change over to C-sharp mode as I'm coding. And, and it's all about keeping you in that flow. And like you said, being more productive. Really cool stuff. So we saw a lot of APIs come back to .NET Core 1.1 1 .1, uh, with uh, the implementation of uh, .NET Standard 1.6. Um, so we have things like SignalR and Reflection and XML and a lot more things. There's 
there's quite a few new APIs coming back. Well, um, SignalR is changing, and it's not quite ready in ASP.NET Core 1.1. Um, but there are there are some previews there that you can get your hands on. But you're you're absolutely right. There's more than 1,300 APIs that are brought back to .NET Core from the full framework. And you're right, things like reflection, uh, system I/O pipes, system composition, and uh, even system XML are in the box now with .NET Core. You're right. It it applies to um, it adheres to .NET Standard 1.6. And uh, it sets us up really nicely for .NET Standard 2.0 when that comes out uh, later in 2017. Excellent. I didn't. I didn't see uh, an announcement around ASP.NET Core 2.0. I I couldn't see the entire event today. So, uh, how much um, information did did we get to hear about? So we didn't. We didn't really touch on ASP.NET 2.0. It's that's still. On the roadmap, it's it's hanging out there as a, a goal for 2017. And of course, you can you can see our roadmap live for ASP.NET on the GitHub repository. Um, I'll give you a link for that if you want to put that in the in the notes to attach to this. Absolutely. Um, so, um, Signal R is absolutely supposed to be in the box for 2.0. We also want to get something that um, that we're calling Razor Pages in there, which is the the successor to um, ASP.NET web pages that should be available for 2.0, but those things are a little ways off. We're still doing some planning and some prototyping on those things, and because it's all open source, you can see that stuff in progress on GitHub. Awesome. Um, and uh, I saw there was a lot of updates to the documentation as well. So uh, with all this new stuff that we're talking about, we we can go look up documentation for it and get started right away, right? Yeah, so so the big change that we've done there is we've migrated our documentation so that it's now on the the main docs.microsoft.com website. It's it's unified. It's got a uh, unified experience with the rest of the documentation that we provide for developers, and really that makes sense because this is this is one Microsoft development experience. We want to make sure that when you do need to jump from ASP.NET documentation over to WPF or um, UWP documentation, you can do that seamlessly without a jarring experience because you're going from one domain, docs.asp.net, to docs.microsoft.com. And, you know, have that same look and feel along with all the great resources that we want for you to have access to through that documentation. Now, that team has, has really come a long way to build out their tools and lay out a, a great experience for the documentation of all the .NET frameworks and tools. Now, with that documentation move, it is, it's still open source, though, right? We can still contribute to that documentation if we'd like to? Oh, absolutely. That, we wouldn't have it any other way. We want to make sure that as we write this documentation, that if there is something that, that folks are passionate about, if they've got better examples and samples than we've got, or if there's some sort of a gotcha that they've run into, you know, something that they want other developers to know and be aware of, they can write that documentation, send a pull request, and it will be reviewed just like all of our other document writers' uh, articles. And it could be accepted and added into the official documentation, and you'll get a byline credit on that article. There's something to add to your resume. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. 
you know, open source projects could always use more documentation. Doesn't matter how big <laughs> the company behind it is. Uh, you know, your different differing points of views kind of help build a good, robust documentation. So um, if there's something out there that's that's not quite right and, and you think you can uh, provide some sort of point of view that's not already there, by all means, uh, see if you can submit a pull request on that. Absolutely. Uh, my friend Miguel says, if you want to help the community, write documentation. We saw some interesting players come into uh, the Connect event today. Um, so earlier this week, we, we saw some news from Google uh, that they are now a member of the .NET Foundation, and they were re releasing some packages up to NuGet to support their cloud services. Um, and then today we see Samsung showing off some some .NET love with their uh, Tizen announcement. Yeah, so um, so Google has joined the .NET Foundation uh, on the Technical Steering Committee. Um, they have they had been publishing packages for .NET developers that want to integrate with their Google Cloud. Um, you know, it, it, it's great to see that effort from them, but to um, to, to solidify that with a with a full membership on the .NET Foundation Steering Committee, uh, that's a big win for the entire .NET community. Um, certainly, it provides validation for Microsoft, but for the community to be able to have Google saying, "We stand behind you. We want to, you know, encourage your development, your products." That's that's terrific because now you've got two huge players in the technology industry that are supporting the .NET ecosystem. And then Samsung, you're gonna, uh, Samsung's been a member of the uh, .NET Foundation Technical Steering Committee for a while. And now they're, they're not just putting their money where their mouth is, but they're, they're saying, you know what? We're putting .NET Core on Tizen, which means that if you buy a Samsung watch, if you buy a Samsung TV in 2017, you're gonna get .NET on your wrist, on your TV, and heck, you, I mean, those .NET developers out there, you can now target Tizen as a runtime when you program with .NET Core. That's terrific. That's an awesome thing for .NET developers everywhere. I mean, and, and now, I, gosh, I have a reason to tell the wife that I need to buy that 80-inch Samsung TV in 2017 <laughs> because I need the test to make sure my apps work on it. That's great. I love that. But seriously, um, they've got a great experience for using Xamarin Forms with .NET Core to build a, a really nice experience on, on your television, on, on your wristwatch, and they've got more places they want to take Tizen to in the future. I, I'm, I'm really excited about that announcement. It, yeah. it just it, it really hits home with, with where we want .NET to be just available and programmable everywhere. Right, yeah, you can I mean, put it on your tablet, your phone, your wristwatch with, with Xamarin, and now with Tizen, uh, and you can also get over to to your television. Oh my gosh! Not to mention Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo, like we already had with Xamarin. This is great. Yeah, I mean, let let that sink in a little bit. That's um, that's you're talking XAML in C sharp to create apps for uh, TV, watches, Samsung devices. Oh yeah, that's a huge deal. Absolutely, that's, I can't wait till 
I mean, I, is there is there a day in the future where I'm going to be able to write an app that runs on my fridge? I don't know. But I, I love the commitment from Samsung to make Tizen and .NET work together. Wherever they put Tizen, you as a .NET developer are going to be able to target in the future. That's great. Yeah, what I love about announcements like these is when you're a .NET developer, it makes you just that much more, to, your value goes up, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, okay, we've got TVs and watches to start, but those other appliances they make, if they make them smarter and put ties in on them, we might have access to them. Ah, so cool. And uh, we we have some announcements uh, with progress uh, coming down the pipe too. Um, we we put out a uh, blog post today that outlines um, that we we're going to be supporting Visual Studio 2017 with our tooling. Uh, so we'll have Kendo UI installers and and UI for ASP.NET MVC installers available in the Visual Studio Marketplace. Um, we're, we're going to be supporting uh, ASP.NET Core for Visual Studio 2017. So all of the products that you use from Progress, uh, the Telerik branded products, uh, UI for ASP.NET Ajax and WPF and WinForms and all of that stuff, uh, we're going to be supporting through Visual Studio 2017. And uh, all of the ASP.NET Core stuff will be coming over as well. So a big day for everybody. Uh, lots of lots of great announcements that uh, came out today that just make uh, .NET developers and developers on every platform uh, that much more valuable and happy as a community. <laughs> Absolutely, you can you can be very very productive and on every environment. Doesn't matter what operating system, and with those progress tools, you're going to be able to make your applications look beautiful, whether you're on Mac, Linux, or Windows. That's terrific. Absolutely. And we have um, a blog post up at blogs.telerik.com that says Telerik UI in Visual Studio 2017 Let's Code. If you want to check that out, there's um, installation instructions on on how to get uh, Visual Studio uh, 2017 RC and uh, install the various uh, tools that Progress puts out under the Telerik brand. Uh, so you can check those out. And uh, please, if you have feedback, send it our way at feedback.telerik.com. Uh, we'd be glad to hear about it. So, Jeff, I really appreciate your time today. Um, there's some really great news coming out of Microsoft. We're, we're happy to see uh, things moving the way they are. And uh, if you have any uh, other materials or, or uh, blogs that you'd like to share with the audience, um, sure. So we put up two blog posts on the MSDN Web Dev blog, uh, one announcing the release of ASP.NET Core 1.1, and another one showing how to use the, the new Docker tools that we released today. Um, those are still in a little bit of a preview release before um, we release the full and final version with Visual Studio 2017. Um, we also issued a blog post on the .NET blog announcing .NET Core 1.1. I'll make sure you get links to all of these so you can share with the listeners. Um, but that .NET blog post has all the information about standard library, the new APIs that were introduced in 1.1. Um, and there's also a link to, uh, let's make sure we get this one over there. The Entity Framework Core 1.1 release went out today as well. Nice. with some new features and performance tuning in there. 
Excellent stuff. We'll put all those in the show notes and we'll get those ready for you. Um, Jeff, where can we, where can we find you on Twitter if we want to reach out and ping you? Oh, so on Twitter, um, you can find me at C sharp Fritz. Um, and I'll typically respond to any uh, question or comment over there that folks have that are reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, uh, what's your favorite hamburger? Oh my gosh. Well, it's <laughs> got to have a gluten-free bun or I like to go to five guys. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for sharing the information with us today and, and being part of the show. Cool. Thanks a lot, Ed. All right, thanks. Thanks.